Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like when you're singing Born to Run, are you Ben Barton belting out those lyrics? Or do you picture in your mind Bruce Springsteen belting out those lyrics? Oh, I really love that question, Timmy. Um, I am drawn to um, lyrics and music, and it's actually the combination of them that express a known emotional state for me. And I'm really open-minded to the known emotional state all the way from just like crushing heartbreak where I'm weeping yeah. to headbanging, aggression, um, all the entire spectrum of my emotions am I open-minded to. The Nora Jones thing is a perfect example. Like there are things that do not hit any of my emotional notes. And I'm like, well, that is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate that because I've got a wide emotional spectrum. Yeah, because I think like when I sing Mandy, I'm not thinking of Barry Mandela. Like I'm thinking of Tim Plain and this girl, Mandy. <laughs> 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. Let's go. Fellas, how are you on this uh, fine Sunday evening? Welcome to 2002. Oh, I'm so glad it's 2002, because I've yeah. been away all weekend, and uh, I couldn't remember what year we were on. <laughs> I'm good. 2007. Let's go. Who's ready? Uh, Jeff, where were you all weekend long? I was up in beautiful Lake McClure in the outskirts of Merced, California, where I um, was accompanying my son in a mountain biking race. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. But uh, no, no coverage, no cell phone, no nothing. So, just just mountain bikes. Mountain bikes, indeed. Did your son enjoy himself? Uh, yeah, yeah, I had a awesome. good time. It's a All cool, right. cool track, no doubt about it. Cool. Ben Barton, how is Knoxville tonight? Beautiful night tonight. Very rainy this weekend, though. Sad to report. Oh, sad, sad to report. Yeah, we have some flood warnings and the whole nine yards. So, so I haven't yet. It's not uh, the end of March yet. So I, I really don't get into NCAA basketball until then. Um, how are the Tennessee Volunteers this year? Oh, thank you for asking, Timmy. <laughs> Is that a good lead? 15 and 0 at home. Stop. Oh, and I'm really? a proud season ticket holder, including not one, not two, but three different victories over top six teams. Wow. We beat wow. Arizona, we beat Kentucky. And on Saturday, I was there for the great pleasure of beating Auburn. Although oh, I, even, nice. I don't hate Auburn as much as I hate Kentucky at all. Okay. Um, but but dude, that Pearl, Auburn isn't team. Pearl's, um, uh, 
pearls at Auburn, right? So oh these, yeah. These pearls got to feel pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Although I still have a huge soft spot for that guy. He did a great job here. <laughs> um, except for the, except for the blatant cheating. He did a great job. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, and again, we'll give you a preview of the, the, uh, the NCAA, that Auburn team is for real. Oh yeah. And that, whatever the name of the kid is, who's going to be the first pick in the draft. Like yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of great players trot through here. I've had season tickets since the early two thousands, this kid, I mean, he was like on the Anthony Davis list. Like just, I was like, Oh, oh wow. Oh. Doing lots of stuff. Like, yeah. Every time anybody else did something on the floor, I was like, well, that was awesome. Like, just don't <laughs> like you little guard. Yeah. You keep shooting. That's going to work out great for That's us. Adorable. <laughs> You're adorable. <laughs> Well, welcome to uh, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys on the Electricast Podcast Network. We're a podcast. Electricast, by the way. Our new friends are yes. super cool. Oh, yeah, they're great. A lovely week of communication with the Electricast uh, fellas. Yeah. So hopefully they're great. listening. Yeah, they're, they're, they're as excited as we are. So this is going to be this is going to be fun when we get going. Uh, but I got to pivot to Ukraine because... It's it's been such a, a a weird week watching all of this unfold, um, and you're not going to believe this, but I'll be able to pull it back to us uh, as Americans. How does it connect? Hustle, to hustle, me? Jimmy. We in the last week have had two downloads from Ukraine. It's like, ah, oh, you guys do not have time to listen wow. to our shit. Um, but thank you. And uh, we welcome more listeners in Ukraine, and we are just pulling for you all as uh, as, as Russia bears down. Uh, it's so heartbreaking to see. Did but you read I, Thomas Friedman's uh, thing in the Times yesterday? I by any read chance, Thomas Friedman and Come on, Jeff, bring it. What do you? I just thought it was a. If gentle readers, if you haven't read Thomas Friedman's Saturday, February twenty sixth. Uh, column in the times i thought it was uh i thought it was pretty wide-ranging and fascinating and suggested that this is a very bad move on russia's part um so yeah yeah for, for myriad reasons beyond the humanitarian nightmare and all of the all of the obvious ones it's pretty good i recommend it well one of the bad reasons is about to be spelled out by gogol bordello and i forgot to tell you about this one jeff could you call up Coming Rougher by Gogo Bordello. And you're going to start at the 42 second mark. And we're going to go all the way to minute 28. And Eugene, who's from, uh, what, like 20 miles south of Kiev, is, is going to tell you what's what. Corridors full of tear gas Our destinies jammed every day Like deleted scenes from Kafka Flush down the bureaucratic train But if you give me the invitation To hear the bells of freedom chime To hell with your double standard We're coming rougher every time We're coming rougher, we're coming rougher We're coming rougher every time So 
All right. Have you guys been caught up in watching this stuff? I was um, out of cell wet. phone service for like 16 hours. So uh, I just I just came into the news that uh, it's a little bit harder on the Russian army than they anticipated. And that uh, there seems to be uh, there seems to be potential talks or or some kind of uh, a meeting at the border meeting at the border. Yeah. But no, I'm no expert and I'm very deliberately trying to say as little as possible. Because oh. I have, I already have many friends who on social media have shared way more than their geopolitical education should uh, allow <laughs> them to. And I do not want to be guilty of a certain mistake. I've got a master's in Twitter. Uh, all right, let's go to the Grammy winning album of 2002. And, and I've got a very complex question regarding this singer songwriter after she is done. It's the Grammy winner. Come Away With Me by Nora Jones. I waited till I saw the sun I don't know why I didn't come I left you by house of fun I don't know why I didn't come I don't know why I didn't come when I saw the break of day so, so Jeff you've been kind of on a rant in the last decade or so about how America has been buying the the Buena Vista Social Club. Um, oh yeah, okay. And then I forget what it was last year that everyone was buying. Uh, and then everyone is buying this this Nora Jones album. Why weren't they buying the Jillian Welch album? Why is it that the Nora Jones album far outpaced Jillian Welch? Oh, I'll punt that over to Ben. I'm sure he's got a killer answer for that, actually. And Nora Jones is just used to listen to a Starbucks. I mean, it's like wallpaper. It's super, super extra vanilla rung out um, <laughs> music. She's, I mean, she's got an okay voice. I'm, I was going to say she's got a good voice, but I wanted me to go there. She's got a fine voice. Um, songs are boring. The arrangements are terrible. <laughs> it's like <laughs> listening to paint dry. I despise that. <laughs> I thought Ben might have a good okay. take on Nora Jones. I was right. You were right. I'm not as anti. I'm not as anti, but I don't own this record. I have never listened to it all the way through. Um, and uh, I, I, I mean, I'm like Ben, just like beyond bewildered that it sold 17 million copies and counting. Are you both? Are you both indicating that you want music to challenge you? Because it's no, it doesn't have to challenge. Fans. But I wanted to. You know what? I mean, Ben said it right. I wanted to ask for my attention. This does not ask for your attention at all. Okay. It's like a Christmas album. It's like perfect for that. It's like a perfect. I assume Nora Jones has recorded a Christmas album. Yes. Uh, I would have I'm to guessing look without that looking. That I would it, have to look that up. But it has that same kind you of like. You would bet money on it if, you know. Yeah, it's music to. to put on in the background while you talk over it. That's very pleasant and expertly played. And uh, well, and, you know, you know, but it doesn't it doesn't ask anything of me. So whereas Gogo Bordello does that you pay that, attention. We come in rougher to that. <laughs> uh, I mean, do you disagree, Tim? Do you like that record? Do you? No, I are don't. You a, 
okay. I, no, I don't, but I sat there. I'm like, why don't I like this when I do like Jillian Welch? And like, have you guys corrupted me in some weird way? See, um, they're not the same genre, though. I mean, there are there are good, like, yeah. there are good female jazz singers who sing along with piano. This is just not one of them. By the way, Jeff, <laughs> I dream of Christmas. Nora Jones. 2021 she held out for a long time <laughs> she really did she wow held out for a long time it's a pandemic christmas album but in 2021 you know, blue note came knocking and she was and they just brought a bag of cash and she was <laughs> like pat is that is that as much that's that much cash let's do this I will good do for it. her yeah i have no i mean if i'm nora jones yes of course well, that's, I'll make that's a christmas the thing. record I yeah mean, like she was holding up for artistic integrity's sake i don't know why she didn't have a hanukkah record and by i now. mean <laughs> i mean how much fun did she have too she called all her friends like you're not gonna believe what blue note just dumped in my backyard let's go make a christmas record i'm sure they had a great time yeah oh my god uh, it's got half originals too Oh, really? Yes. The first song is Christmas Calling, parentheses, Jolly Jones by Nora Jones. Okay. Three minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> we are not going to play a clip. We're going to move on with the year 2002. She's got the white Christmas, blue Christmas back to back, which really <laughs> makes me happy. That's a really tough move by her. I like is that. It, is it um, a medley? Because it really should no, be no, no, they're separate, they're and separate. it should go right into your mean one, Mr. Grinch, so she can get Green Christmas in there too, and that would be that would be awesome. Oh, she's got Run Rudolph Run, which is actually one of my favorite Christmas songs. Oh, that's a, do this does she have Father Christmas by the Kinks? Because that that's my no, favorite. no, good, no, no luck there. All right, uh, are we ready? <laughs> I'm going to keep coming back to this. This is a running theme now. But <laughs> oh, we we don't need to play it. It's uh. It's late February. We don't need a Christmas album right now. In 2002, President Bush delivered his State of the Union address where he first mentions the axis of evil. Can you name the three countries that he was referencing with this axis of evil talk? Yes. Go. Russia. No. Jeff? In 2002? Yes. Russia wasn't one of them? Russia was not one of them. Excellent. I guess they were pretty good then. <laughs> <laughs> I can name some other ones. Come Putin, on, Putin had just begun, so... I'm going to let Ben have this one. I'm doing the Ben silent... Uh, Iraq and Iran. Those are two. Excellent. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. And then there's one in Asia, right? Isn't there a bad country that's in Asia? Right. Originally, he had Libya... Yeah. But he was told you can't go three Middle Eastern countries. So they threw in Irkutsk, North oh, Korea. North Korea. Know. Very yeah. good. Yes, North Korea. I was just thinking one, of the, the risk map, you know, like I was trying to get <laughs> an Asian story. country. Um, all right. Kenneth Lay resigns as CEO of Enron. Um, it was for hiding debt and misrepresenting earnings either of you follow that back in i the follow day? that super carefully i love the enron story dude uh little known fact what a very well-known fact enron crushed <laughs> and destroyed arthur anderson yep like one okay. of the five biggest uh one of those companies in the world and that existed yep. for more than 100 years guess how many lawyers were disbarred who worked on this 
Oh, I don't know the answer to that. None. Yeah, it was going to be my guess. Lawyers Jesus. dropped the None. bag and walked away. Just they were like, that was weird. Wait, <laughs> all wow. those. What happened? What happens? Basically, in order to create a whole bunch of shell companies, what they okay. did is they created all these shell companies and they took all these risky bets. And then when they lost, they're like, that was weird. Shell company lost. Uh, and they would just move all their losses off the books to these weird extra creations, which, by the way, cannot be created without lawyers. I mean, I guess you could theoretically have a, a monkey do it or something, but I mean, right. a, a lawyer is creating all of these. <laughs> yeah. And surely to God, the lawyers at some point were like, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but this is the 232nd shell company <laughs> we created with a different name. And I wonder been. why we're doing that. And yet they just got off scot-free. Maybe they went to different lawyers every time. You never know. Sure. Do you think um, corporate America learned any hard lessons from the Enron story? Thankfully, yes. There hasn't been any really corporate malfeasance to speak of since, right? It's one of the things I like about going back in the podcast is we see these moments where history taught a valuable lesson. We all <laughs> learned it and it didn't repeat. It's actually <laughs> been one of the feel-good stories of the podcast for me. That uh, they haven't actually. I mean, as far as I know, the scandals have not been exactly like this scandal, so that's good. The problem that exactly. you have here is it's like a squirrel trying to get a nut, like they're just <laughs> those barbarians to the gate all the time. Um, should we ask Jeff, Jeff, how, how many hours did you drive? I drove a lot of hours because <laughs> that was some really, um cutting sarcasm that you didn't let up on like you didn't let us off the hook. Hey, you stayed in character and i'm I sorry I, for those of you listening at home or in your car or on the subway i i got home with like bath. 45 seconds to spare um but he's here gosh, podcast, but i'm here and i took a covid test when this started and i don't have covid so yay very nice live covid results it is safe to listen to this podcast all right um I was going to talk about speaking of safe, but tough, tough transition. Uh, 2002 was also the year that uh, Cardinal Bernard Law resigned as Cardinal of Archbishop of Boston. Um, the result of the widening church scandal, especially from my hometown, uh, several pictures of me and the Cardinal from my youth. Is that right? How did yeah. you get how did you get close to Cardinal Law besides well, being we, we a young like... cutie? <laughs> Not okay, Jeff. That was uncalled for. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make you apologize on Timmy's behalf. I'm not, I'm not apologizing. Why do I owe Tim an apology? How long was this drive again? Golly. <laughs> we would go to the Easter services where Cardinal Law was uh was running them and um yeah, also my my confirmation, things like that. Wow. So he, yeah. was, he was out and about in the community to the extent that like your random confirmation, he was there? Or were, yeah. you, were you a special No, he wasn't a cardinal then because that was back in the 80s. Um, yeah, I, I remember. We had, a, we had a picture of him on our wall uh, with my little sister in her Easter dress. Like we had that picture there. Right up until about two. Should I tell my story <laughs> about my interaction with the Archbishop of San Francisco? Oh, I think you called him out. Did you not? Did I have, did I tell this in the last season? So here's my Catholic church moment. Um, when uh, my first wife wanted to get remarried, um, she wanted to get married in the Catholic church. 
um, because her, her now husband wanted to get married in a Catholic church, but she could only do it if she got dispensation. And it required an interview with me where okay. I agreed that religious differences was the reason for the dissolution of our marriage and nothing else, or else she couldn't get married in a Catholic church. Wow. So she called me, look, the Archbishop of San Francisco is going to call you. Could you just say, and I was like, I'm happy to say anything you need. So the guy calls me. I didn't think they would call. Uh -huh. but he called me. He's like, now you're, um, you are divorced, you know, from so-and-so. Um, and, uh, she claims that a difference of opinion in the Catholic church is the reason for the dissolution of, her, of your marriage. And I said, well, is that right? And he throws this softball up on the phone, <laughs> which is, so what is your general opinion of the Catholic church? <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh, and no. I, I take a breath and I'm like, like life offers you two or three of these and I'm swinging. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, as far as I can tell, it's a thousand to two thousand year old international ring of pedophiles. Pause. Pause. <laughs> All right, got what I need. Have a good day. I'm like, you too, sir. I hung up. <laughs> Needless to say, dispensation was granted. So <laughs> that is amazing. He really did help you out. He I really can't believe it's like it was like, dude. Walked right if he that. had asked you why did you honestly get divorced, you would have had to lie. But I mean, when he asked you what's your opinion of the Catholic Church, you were like, well, thank, thank you for asking, good <laughs> sir. I cannot tell a lie, but I can insult your religion. Into the oh, religion. man, that's anyway. right. All right. Well, let's, uh, on that note, head to a break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. To talk about Denzel Washington winning the Best Actor Award in 2002. Oh, I have opinions on this. Which uh, which movie was it? He won for, for Training, Training Day. Day. That yeah. is correct. He didn't win for... Malcolm X, for example. No, he did not. Where he became Malcolm X. He was more Malcolm X in that movie than Malcolm X himself <laughs> is in the footage of Malcolm X. And he did not win for that. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it irritates me to no end that they waited until he played a, a evil African-American cop who uses the N-word over and over and over again to give him the Oscar. Yeah. In a movie where he had to work against Ethan Hawke for two hours. Isn't Ethan Hawke the white, the good oh, white Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. I didn't think yeah. Ethan Hawke was bad. No, he wasn't bad, but good Lord. I mean, I just like, it was such a like, I, anyway, I just, I it, it that one irritated me. And if I were Denzel, I would have been like, don't even like just keep that one and give it to me when uh, I, I, you know, for the next movie that <laughs> I don't I do. think he's going to do that. Did he win yeah. for uh, Glory for Best Supporting Actor, or was he just nominated? Because he was I'm, great in Glory. I don't know. I don't think he won. I don't no. think. I thought it was his first Oscar. That's what yeah, I remember. That's why right. it pissed me I, off so much. But okay. Uh, well, What's your opinion of that movie? Have you seen it? Uh, have you seen okay. it recently? Uh, I've seen it recently, and I still like it. It's yeah. not, a, I, I agree, like, 
I'm looking at I'm looking at the movie list right here, and that's a tough get for him. That that was. I mean, I actually preferred the performance and remember the Titans from the year before. Yeah, he's great <laughs> in that. Actually, I agree. Like if you were going to give it to a really popular movie where he kicks ass, why not just give it to him for Remember the Titans? Well, and then the year favorite. before that, Hurricane, the Hurricane movie's great. Oh, he's yeah. good in that. Yeah, he got game. He was terrific. I mean, supporting actor there. Um, you have a little blue dress, little. Oh, he's great. Water. That is that's super a, un, under. Actually, teach that film. That's an underrated yeah. movie. Oh, Chester dude, Hines. you know what's on here is uh, Philadelphia, nineteen ninety three, which oh, is yeah. aged really weirdly. That yeah, movie right. Is really. Oh, is yeah. it? Oh, I got to check it out. Huh. I haven't seen that since. But yeah, ninety. I mean, like that that stretch, Philadelphia, Pelican Brief, Much Ado About Nothing, Malcolm X, Mississippi Masala, all in a row for ninety one and ninety three. This is pretty sweet. Right yeah, there. not bad. <laughs> um all right well let's get to the number one selling album from 2002 go ahead and pick your poison with this one jeff simons that's a tough one this is ben ben see this is one of those moments where ben should really be in charge of the the choice uh i'll just go with the one that i think everybody knows here hold on it's the number one album the eminem show by eminem show oh well well you just said eminem the same way that um <laughs> the guy in parks and rec says bobby night when he <laughs> points at the picture on the wall uh, oh, what do you guys think of him um uh, his little super bowl performance oh yeah did we talk about that yet the i don't super think we did we're at, we're behind the times here I was like by on. that, and I thought he did a good job in the Super Bowl. Yeah, me too. Um, this these records are okay. One thing that I really like that's sorely, bitterly lacking in late period Eminem is the sense of humor. Like yep. he really made fun of himself and mocked himself, which is a really, really, really good idea if you're going to be a white rapper. Um, the Dre production sounds great. The records sound sound great. It sounds great right now. I couldn't believe how good it sounded just yeah, in the 45 for sure. seconds. Um. And he's he's a pretty good rapper, um, but that being said, he's not. He it was never close to my favorite for sure. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, you know, white rappers do get graded on a lower curve for me. So. Yeah, never liked him. Yeah, yeah. Every, what? The, the whole spitting in the French fry thing. Spitting in the French fry thing. Yeah, it was in his first video. Oh, you mean he did something in a video that offended you? Yeah. Never okay. recovered. <laughs> I don't want to spend in my French fries. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> we did not sell that for you at all, it's Timmy. I'm really we, sorry. I'm we just sorry. murdered that. I wrote we murdered them off. that. That's it. I know you tried really hard. You had the, the whole reference and everything, and we just gave you nothing. Yeah, I just that should have been where the break was. It's too bad we already took the break. Uh, <laughs> that would a great it's awkward fun. silence into a commercial. <laughs> hey, let's do this. Let's get to deaths in 2002. Oh. Ben Barton comeback story. Baseball. Korean War. 406. Wait, did Ted Williams die? Ted Williams dies in 2002. How is when cryogenic... were you going to get to him How freezing his head? How is cryogenic head? Not the first clue. Korean <laughs> War. False advertising. <laughs> Warning may contain a cryogenic head. <laughs> All right. Historian, author, big books, D-Day, Band of Brothers. Ah, oh, uh, some some uh, plagiarism. Oh, Doris Kearns Goodwin. I thought no. she was still alive. How dare you? <laughs> Stephen Ambrose. It's Stephen it Ambrose? Ambrose. Oh, Stephen J. Ambrose. I think. Oh, sorry. And uh, finally, this one's hard. I don't know if you're going to get this. Ben's already won, so. Mafia, Gambino crime family, Teflon Dawn. I only, I don't know any mafia people besides John Gotti. Oh, John Gotti is the correct answer. Oh, oh it wasn't that hard. Impressive, then. impressive. Well done. I don't know any except John Gotti. Um, all right, gentlemen, let's get to our three albums. Our three albums. I, ben, are you a first or second? What do you want? I know you've I'll got go first. That's fine. You got you got big plans for tonight. I know. Okay. Oh, it's a little strong to say I have big plans. Yeah. Um, we are finally going to get around to discussing our guy, Ryan Adams. All right, so let me start with the bad. There's okay. very, very, very persuasive evidence that he's a sexual harasser. And when, when I look at these things, I'm always a lot harder. The closer a person is to me in age, race, and gender, I'm a lot harder on them. Um, so I'll just be frank. Like, it's a really bad series of stories. Um, okay. Because basically what he was doing is he was getting female artists and like coming on as a mentor and then like then trying to have sex with them and often forcing them like i mean it's a little strong it's not 100 percent clear that they're rape allegations but there's really 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 strong pressure tactic allegations for sure um and one of the artists is phoebe bridgers and that's really what got him is that like basically one of these artists got really famous and then like she had the power to say what she felt like about ryan okay um, the tremendous, excellent song, Emotional Motion Sickness by Phoebe Bridges is about their relationship and, and how he made her feel and um, what a bad guy he is. Uh, so that's, that's first. Second thing I'll note is one of the great feminist sort of insights into sexual harassment is that it's not about sex, it's misnamed. It's about power and it's about humiliation. And this is such a perfect example of this. This fucking guy, is married to Mandy Moore at the time that he's engaging in the bulk of his uh, behavior. And he's, it's like, 
and also, I mean, if he just wanted to cheat on his wife, he's got a million options. Like this behavior where he's preying on people and then trying to make them do what they don't want to do is just a thousand percent a power trip. I mean, there's a, the, the sex is an adjunct to it, but it's about power, not sex, and it makes it extra super mega gross. Third thing that I will note is notorious prick, this guy, just a well-known prick. <laughs> Regardless of being a sexual harasser, he's just been a jerk. And there's this whole thing. He had this like uh, tortured artist persona, um, which I'm sad to report I bought into. Um, just note to self here in my 52nd year on God's green earth. Not everyone who's a notorious prick is a tortured artist. Some of them are just pricks. <laughs> and this guy <laughs> may in fact be that. I saw him, it's either, I saw him in the winter of 96, 97 before he, his first major label album came out. So it's the Faithless Street Tour. And I saw him in a really small club in New York. Oh, and I, I should have started by saying, well, I'll get to this in a second. I, I love him. I've always loved his work. Like his work is, I, I really, really like. Anyhow. And I, I, this genre, like I, this is the yeah. peak of my yeah. loving of exactly. all country. I was so into all right. country. Anyhow, the Faith of Street, like there was a lot of buzz. I was like a subscriber to No Depression magazine. They were like, you got to check out Whiskey Town. So Indy and I and her buddy and her buddy's boyfriend went to this club and they come out, Whiskey Town comes out, play five songs, including some of the songs from Stranger's Almanac. Then Ryan Adams spots some dudes in suits at the back who are apparently from the label. And he freaks out. He's like, what are the label people here doing here? The suits, I won't play in front of the suits. I'm never going to sell out. He's like yelling, storms off what? stage. It turns out Lyle Lovett is there to see him also. <laughs> and literally someone in the band's like, Lyle, Lyle Lovett, can you come talk to Ryan and make a comeback out? And they actually got Lyle Lovett out of the audience, dragged him into the back, and then Ryan Adams came out and was like, Lyle, talk to me, and now I'm going to play the rest of the show. So at the <laughs> time, I was like, wow, this is, a, this is a real art. Whoa, that was a lot. Is it now, artist? looking back at it now, I'm like, what a dick this guy is. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like, first of all, it's one thing. I mean, he, he writes the songs, and I mean, the other people in the band really want to get signed. You know what I mean? Like if you're in the band Whiskey Town and you're from North Carolina, you're not super happy that Ryan Adams be shitting all over the suits and me. Yeah, here. right. And dude, I must, I don't know. I've seen him under 10 times, but definitely, I mean, I, I, like, I, I can think of four different really memorable shows. That was one. Dude, half of the really memorable shows include him freaking out and melting down. I saw a, like a horrible, super embarrassing show with the Cardinals backing him up. And the Cardinals are a great backing band. Not a good backing band. They're a great backing band. He stopped in the middle of the song and was like, it's too fast. It's too fast. He's like calling out the drummer. Super extra mega unprofessional. Huh. And, it, it, and again, at the time, I was like, well, but, you know, he's on heroin. <laughs> Surely that explained it. But dude, that's, artist. that's not yeah. an explanation or an excuse. That's another sign you might be a dickhead. It's that you're just like oh, out there, you know, humiliating man. your backing band. Um, I wasn't at the show, but there's a really famous show in Nashville where somebody calls out for summer of 69 because of Ryan Adams or Brian Adams. Yep. And he loses his mind and gets the guy kicked out of the show and stops the show for 20 minutes. And um, that happens every night for the next three weeks. Oh, right. Dude, I mean, of course. Like, I mean, he's just begging for it. Just yeah. begging for it. Uh, no sense of humor at all. I tell you all of this. I get the bad news out of the way. Um, how do you deal with the art versus artist thing? 
um, similar to how I treat these allegations on a sliding scale, I treat this on a sliding scale. And I'll just be frank, like the more I like the artists, the more likely I am to continue to listen to them. And this is just one of those guys that's on that list. Like, I just really, really, really like his songs. I sat down and did a top 10 Ryan Adams songs off the top of my head and I uh -huh. came to 15 and I was like, oh, I'm gonna stop writing now. Oh, like, wow. I just really, really, really wow. like his material. In 2002, the record Demolition is released by his label. So my recollection of this, and I actually had never done any research on it. My recollection on it was called Demolition because it's a bunch of demos that were released. Turns out that's not accurate. Uh -oh. What happens is Ryan Adams puts out Gold in 2001. And this he considered this to be a compromise record with the label. Like he's fighting with everybody all around it. So he's always fighting with the label, right? Gold comes out in 2001, and, and Gold is, is a really good record also, along with Demolition. Um, and it includes New York, New York, uh, and it's got a video filmed a week before 9-11 that's in front of the World Trade Center. And so that song gets to be a pretty big hit. That record's his best-selling record, including any of the Whiskey Town records. It's a crossover record where he stops being kind of a squirrely all-country act and starts being like a more mainstream rock act. Because back in the studio in, two, in 2001, 2002, records jeff how many songs do you think ryan adams recorded in the year before demolition came out uh, i'm gonna guess um close to 100 is 80. gonna be my guess yeah wow 80 songs just that's nonstop. Insane. turns in four different albums each one rejected by the label wow including two different versions of the suicide handbook i think that's what it was called that's like basically about how depressed he is and how he can't wait to kill himself. Weirdly, the label was like, these songs are too sad, Ryan. Oh, God. <laughs> Go back in the studio and record something else. Um, when the label gets to the point where they do what they did in Demolition, they just took the 12 songs they liked, put them together in an album and put them out in Ryan M's name without his permission. And that is the, that is the extra fuck you when they do that you know what i mean like right, that's, that's the we're just tired of talking to you about it yeah. and you want to sign with another label go 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 <laughs> like we never want to see your sorry ass again we're taking the 12 songs that we like and we're going to put them out and we're going to put them out in the order that we want and you just there's nothing you can do you work for us we got the, you put the recordings in the can by the way you recorded 80 songs you know how many that we paid for 80 that's why we're going to put out the best 12. Wow. That's what, that's what demolition is. So on the one hand, it actually, it's, it's a really weird disjointed record. It's like badly. Um, it's not in the right order. The songs are all. Weird. Oh, so it's, well said, sir. It's not Worse. a unified. It's not a unified artistic statement. It sounds like he recorded four different albums and they just cherry picked them and jammed them all together. Um, that being said, first, it's really, really, really reflective of him as an artist. I don't think he has a great album. He does not have a single record that's wall-to-wall -wall bangers. The first major label Whiskey Town record, in my opinion, is the closest. I basically like every song on that. But even Gold, I'm like, there's like five songs on Gold where I'm like, like what are we doing here? This sounds a lot like the other ones. Um, and this is an artist that I love, but I'll just be frank about it. Like, he records too many songs. He thinks that he's Prince and he's extra mega not Prince. And he's spoiled. He's super spoiled. He thinks that he knows better than everybody else. And he and like the description of his songwriting process. I mean, 
like 80 songs in a freaking year is ridiculous yeah, yeah. um he's like oh i'm just addicted to writing songs so i just i just write them i'm like you know what you might want to do is record like, like write 10 of them and just keep working on them until they're all good you yeah. know what i mean like and also what you might want to do is be the type of person who can hear other people who are like dude stop like you don't right. need to write anymore we've already got some good songs just stop writing more songs and work on the songs that we have super extra mega annoying and that's been true for him i mean like his his wikipedia page and his discography is just littered with this kind of crap where he's like four albums announced for this year one comes out and then he'll drop random albums eps everything else and some of them are really 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 extra goofy and bad i think it's orion jeff oh i love orion the the heavy metal prog rock um, space opera space opera where all the songs are like a minute and a half long yeah amazing oh, yeah. Huh. yeah so that thing so the, one of the reasons why this this record is great is that the, the record company was tired of fucking around with them and just picked picked a bunch of songs that they liked um one of the reasons why it's a, it's disjointed and a little bit weird all of that being said it's terrific. It is terrific. I listened through it on loop this whole week just to make sure that I could pick it because I was like, I remember, I mean, there's a couple of dogs on it, but it's not, I mean, the, the Whiskey Town, the, the, the Stranger's Almanac, that's the record that I would recommend first. This would be my second favorite. I really, really, really like this record. Jeff, I'm not even, just start at the beginning of Nuclear. First notes of the record. This song is so great. Demolition by Ryan Adams. out with that really cool sounding slide guitar and that's lap steel right and you can hear the direction of all country that he's bringing it to like the like that part is like almost like a replacement song but the middle part with the finger picking and this in the and the harmony to it is super alt country um and his voice he's got a beautiful beautiful round singing voice um on the songs where he gets it right, he's got this kind of elliptical storytelling style where he places you into a position. This is how the summer ends. And it goes nuclear, right? Like he's in this relationship and it comes to an end and it just everything blows up. It's just really, really, really perfect, beautiful, um, beautiful songwriting. So so the 
we need not make a distinction between a tortured artist and a, and a dick with him. Like he he is both. Like he's legitimately depressed and legitimately troubled. Oh yeah, for sure. He's like he's on enough drugs, and um, and it sounds like he had a tough tough upbringing. That being said, there's only so many excuses that you can make for this sort of person, and like I'm out on that portion of the entertainment. So, so Jeff, I'll let you go in a second and talk about your view of Ryan Adams. Uh, ben, I have a personal question for you. Yeah. When you're listening to a song or singing along with a song, <laughs> this is way too, way too uh, personal. Do you become the singer and the one uh, singing those lyrics and thinking about those lyrics? Or do you imagine the singer singing that? Like when you're singing Born to Run, are you... Ben Barton belting out those lyrics, or do you picture in your mind Bruce Springsteen belting out those lyrics? Oh, I really love that question, Timmy. Um, I am drawn to um, lyrics and music, and it's actually the combination of them that express a known emotional state for me. And I'm really open-minded to the known emotional state all the way from just like crushing heartbreak where I'm weeping yeah. to headbanging, aggression, um, all the entire spectrum of my emotions am I open-minded to the Nora Jones thing is a perfect example like there are things that do not hit any of my emotional notes and I'm like well that is not for me <laughs> <laughs> I really hate that because I've got a wide emotional spectrum yeah man so it's almost neither I'm like I'm in I'm interested in the emotional state and the feelings that it evokes okay. if it doesn't echo with me then I'm out on it but if it echoes with me I, I'm cl it's clearly not me like I'm not the guy in Born to Run, and I'm definitely, I'm definitely not Ryan Adams. Um, <laughs> but that being said, like the song is hitting this emotional thing, and it, and it, and that's the sweet spot for me. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. So, but I'm also not like I wonder what Ryan Adams is like while I'm listening to a Ryan Adams songs yeah. that I enjoy. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's yeah, because I think like when I sing Mandy, I'm not thinking of Barry Manilow. Like I'm thinking of Tim Plain and this girl Mandy. <laughs> all right sorry <laughs> simon's worried and there's some heavy padding is that where we're going first of all now you're right that question was too personal um <laughs> i'm with ben i don't it's neither for me either like the sing this the song exists a great song exists separate from the artist for me even if i love the artist and even if i go on to sing it you know yeah. what i mean like it's just a different thing um I agree with Ben that Stranger's Almanac is the best Ryan Adams record. Um, and it has a tortured life. Whiskey Town got signed. They recorded the whole record and then they were part of the great major label, first major label purge. And it did not come out for three years and it awesome. ruined that band's career. And the, that great record was held in limbo while Ryan Adams went on and established himself as a solo artist. No, I think it's pneumonia that did that. Pneumonia comes out in 2000. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. It's pneumonia. I thought I thought we were talking about pneumonia. I prefer pneumonia to Stranger's Oy, Almanac. Really? Yeah, I think pneumonia is fantastic. And I really like Stranger's Almanac, but I think pneumonia is even better. Pneumonia is a great record. Ryan Adams. What's the best is, song uh, on pneumonia? They're all really good, actually. Uh, hold on. You, get, you pull up pneumonia, I'll talk about um, pneumonia has my uh, a song called Jacksonville Skyline, and it yeah. says it says it has everything you need to know about Ryan Adams because the skyline he's describing is Jacksonville, North Carolina, which is where he's from. 
but I love that. I love that he wrote a song called Jacksonville Skyline, and everyone's like, "Oh, a song about Florida." He's like, "Not Florida." <laughs> like the, 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 the expectation that the two lane town that he grew up in wouldn't need explication because we would already know that because yeah. Ryan Adams is a major artist. How dare um, us assume? Ben covered pretty much everything I, I feel. Uh, it, it's easier for me to let go of Ryan Adams than it is for Ben because of the thing that he said, which is he never put a great record together. And that really bugs me. Like I really, I really deeply admire artists that get at least one record right 90% of the way through. I really, it, it, gives, it gives them a pass for me to check out their next five or six Ryan Adams over and over and over again. I'm like, I like four or five songs. Okay. I love one or two. I like three or four. Eh. And after an artist does that six, seven records in a row, I lose my momentum. I saw him twice. I saw Whiskey Town in 97 as well. Um, and it was weird. And they were edgy. It was at the bottom of the hill, which is a really only holds 200 people. And then I saw Ryan Adams on the gold tour with a big band um, couple, and you, actually a couple of guys um, from San Francisco were in that band, but um, they were at the Fillmore and it was a big rock and roll show. And then a hundred minutes in, he took like six shots and uh, kept the band on stage for another 40 minutes playing like covers and trying to do a Paul Westerberg thing, huh. like 30 seconds of this and that. And they just, they sucked. Like he went from being like a, just a great slick rock and roll performer to a drunk asshole and i always oh, i think back to that night i'm like those are the two sides of the coin and he he's incapable of uh incapable of navigating that. i will also say and i won't use names here but um i have taught a couple of children of musicians and i had a um i had a kid come to my class for an 8 a.m class and he was shaken up he looked kind of upset i'm like are you all right and he's like i've had a very weird morning um, Ryan Adams is staying at my house because he's trying to sober up and um, I overslept my alarm. And so I woke up and it was Ryan Adams shaking me like, dude, I think you have school. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my Ryan Adams. Story. That's a, that's a way, way to wake up. Woo. Um, all right. So big question is, did we answer all of Nina's concerns when it comes to artists versus art? And how I don't we think we're going to be able to. And also, I'll note that it's not consistent. There's no consistent That's answer. Right. On this. Yeah, I can't be consistent on it. It's not okay. I mean, like, like we we've I've I've championed and loved music by bad people, and that's that's tough. And and there are some wonderful people who make music I can't stand. Oh, that's extra. I mean, that's the that's even harder for me. Like, like oh, when, when there's and... yeah, as a person I deeply admire, and they do everything right, and they they do they're a force for good in the world. And I'm like, oh, I really don't like this. Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> um, I am also picking a singer songwriter this week. Uh, very different from Ryan Adams, though. Ryan Adams uh, struggles to collaborate, even though the best parts of his records are usually performances by other people he's really good at taking full credit for them this guy is really good at collaboration and as such his records are all over the place um and probably everyone who likes this guy has a different record they like most but um this is my favorite beck record and it's called sea change and it's my it's my favorite record for uh, 2002 so beck 
Looks like he's going to be a one-hit wonder. He puts out the song Loser in 1994, which was everywhere for six months. But the record it comes from is really up and down and spotty. And in fact, I don't know if you remember, but Rolling Stone gave Mellow Gold two out of five stars and basically made fun of uh, Beck for three paragraphs and said, say goodbye to this loser forever. And he had made two kind of home demo. I mean, I just think it's so funny. Rolling Stone gives everybody five stars that they think might have a career and they just shat all over Beck. Um, And then he put out, um, he had already put out two kind of lo-fi cassettes of demos. Uh, Then he put out One Foot in the Grave, which was also a really weird lo-fi, hard to listen to. I saw him at the Bridge Benefit uh, that summer and he was just terrible. He like, his guitar was out of tune. His hand was shaking. He was nervous. He wasn't ready for the big stage. And Uh, then he makes, yeah. Real quick, what's lo-fi mean? Oh, it's deliberately poor sounding, like records that are recorded with hiss, like home on home equipment, oh. so that it has like a difficult to listen to. Like it's supposed to sound like a like a demo tape. Like our podcast. Yes. <laughs> We're kind of gritty. We're kind of underground. That's really, that's really well said. That's good. Uh, then he makes Old Delay with the Dust Brothers, which we've talked oh, about. Yeah. It's great. And then that's the record after that is Mutations, which is a left turn, a lot of slower stuff. A lot of kind of um, like it had cold brains. It had already uh, nobody's fault but my own. It was up and down. And then he went all funk and um, like Electric Slide with Midnight Vultures. It was like a funk disco record. So, you know, I Beck was was uh, spending an awful lot of time uh, collaborating, right? Like I'm going to make a record with these people. It's going to sound like this. And I'm going to make a record. Sea Change is another great collaboration with Nigel Godrich, who's the uh, producer of the Radiohead records in the 90s. Um, ben, can you name uh, the two principal background musicians that appear on this record? No chance, zero. They are, they are the members of Jellyfish. Oh, your guys, very the jelly, nice, no the wonder jelly, you love this record. The Jellyfish guys are all over this record. So it, this is change. a divorce. Yeah, this is a breakup record. Um, he, he and his fiance broke up. And then he found out that his fiance had been cheating on him and they'd been together nine years and it's a breakup record. So when it came out, everybody called it Beck's Blood on the Tracks record. They, they drew all these connections to Dylan's 1975 record. Um, and that's too lazy a comparison. Um, I love Blood on the Tracks, um, but it's a, it's a different kind of divorce record than Sea Changes because Sea Change... Um, half of its grieving is in the sound of the record, right? Like Dylan's Bun on the Tracks is a stripped down, simple acoustic guitar, bass and vocal and the, and the lyrics are everything. Sea Change is the sound of a guy who's got these very stripped down songs, but is trying to, at the same time, continue to grow sonically. And I think he does a phenomenal job on this record pulling that off. He tries it again. 12 years later with that record morning phase that came out in 2014. And I really didn't care for that record. I thought it was really boring by comparison to this one, but this record, I thought it was moving. I thought it was uh, really honest. And I think it's just beautifully recorded and performed. Like there's just a basic acoustic track, acoustic guitar track through everything. And then there's all these like wonderful bass and drum sounds, sometimes digital, sometimes analog, the playing is so restrained in some places and then other places 
He's got these guys who can shred and he lets them go after it. Um, there are obvious homages. There's a Mick Drake song here. Um, there's uh, some other 70s singer songwriters. So it's not like he's reinventing the wheel, but I think there's enough pixie dust on Sea Change to make it different enough from other kind of acoustic records that I tend to not like. Um, and I'm going to play my favorite song, which is, I don't, I don't know which of these songs were hits. It wasn't a single. I think Lost Cause was the single. The first track, Golden yeah. Age, was pretty famous. Yeah, but I like, I like the second track called Paper Tiger because you hear in that song, I think everything this record does that's really cool. Like this is, a, it's, got, um, it's got these elliptical lyrics, like uh, just like a paper tiger torn apart by idle hands. But check out the remarkable bass and drum performance and this sweeping strings that they put over the top. It's just, and especially if you're listening to the podcast on headphones, you're going to hear it sweep right to left and back. Um, and Beck's kind of heartbroken voice is at the center. I just love this record. I listened to it. Um, I was in the car a lot this weekend. I don't know if we mentioned it. And I listened to Sea Change a couple of times. And I, and I hadn't listened to it in years. And I really enjoyed it. Like I, it, I didn't find it uh, very dated. And, and, uh, and I just, yeah, it's great. So it's my favorite Beck record. Uh, and this is Paper Tiger. Sea Change by Beck. Just like a paper tiger Torn apart by idle hands Through the helter-skelter morning Fix yourself while you still that song do you know that song ben i do yeah jeff was super into this record and i listened to this record immediately yeah it's super great you know it's so funny like beck starts is this uh basement tapes everything's uh one take and and lo-fi turns out he's a give that guy a great studio and he knows what to do with it like i just i even beck records i don't like i admire because they're just they sound really compelling and he goes on to make a couple of just wonderful records in the mid decade like i love guero guero is my favorite for yeah sure. i love that record it's so fun and the information that comes out right at, like four months later half of that is great too but as an overall like start to finish uh just kind of artistic it's just what i was saying a minute ago like 
I think he pulls the whole record off here. And you know what's really something? He toured this record with the Flaming Lips as his background band. Huh. And you would think that would be great, right? Back back by the Flaming Lips plays the Sea Change record. The Flaming Lips, I've heard multiple recordings from that tour, and they just don't get it. They just don't get the immediacy and the kind of uh, the the uh, needle thread of sonic experimentation and right in your face intimacy that Beck is after on this record, and uh, it just doesn't it just didn't work. So did he turn around and yell at the drummer? I don't think so. I, just... I think Beck's a little more uh, every time I've seen Beck twice and he's such a showman and like Beck's Beck's whole thing is, are we not having the greatest time that's ever been had by human beings? And the answer is maybe like he's just great live. Hey, give us 10 seconds of K on the Guero. Okay. You want to talk the first? first while I, uh... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically um, I do like this record and I think Jeff's right. It's a, it's a significant departure and a super interesting record. Um, Beck can get down, and that's the version I prefer, and that's why I prefer the next record, Guero. Here we go. That record has black tambourine on it, which might be yeah, uh, totally. But Kayon Aguero is my favorite um, Beck song. That was on Super Fun Kids Mix. The girls loved it. Yeah, great. He's from, um, I think, maybe East L.A., but he's he's he grew up in the Latino part of L.A. and they called him Guero. Right? So that's where that song comes from. Oh, Guero yeah. means like blondie, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I was when you started listening off listing off the names of his albums, I was like, oh god, he's been around for a while. Like he's oh yeah, the guy's been busy. How he's many a legacy studio, artists at this time? How many studio albums? At least a dozen, I think. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, he's, and he's really kept out. You know, he has a bunch of records. He was doing this thing where he was inviting a a bunch of friends in and picking a record they all love, and they had one day to cover the whole thing. And so there's a Beck does the Velvet Underground and Nico record. There's Beck okay. does Skip Spence's Or with all the guys from Wilco. There's a Beck covers In Excess's Kick all the way through. I mean, wow, is that true? That must be yeah. fantastic. Yeah, they're really great. And they were I've up, heard the, uh, yeah. They're all for free. They were all up for free on his old webpage. I don't know what's happened to them. They kind of, I'm sure they're on YouTube, but uh, I just love, he's just kind of like, he's just a guy who bleeds music, you know, I, I admire that. Well, I uh, I love it. Great, great job. I want to go with someone who's put out, I think, 10 studio albums um, in her solo career. I'm going to go with Amy Mann, one of, one of right. my favorite singer-songwriters and, and fairly prolific in her own right. Starts uh, with Till Tuesday. Goes to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, forms till Tuesday, has a gigantic, gigantic hit in the 80s. And then her solo career has been uh, kind of hit or miss, but never, um, never big time, never really got over a hump. 
and uh, almost though, almost like the first two Amy Mann solo records almost cross yeah. over. Whatever, and yeah. I'm with I'm with Stupid is my favorite Amy Mann record. The and second then, one she made, yeah. And then the third one comes out, or the third one doesn't come out, right? They they dump her after the second. Yep. And they didn't want to release it. And you know, one of these uh, again, another artist and the record company squabble. And um, she said she couldn't get out of there fast enough. They, they offered her the opportunity to buy her songs back. And she said, yep, let's go. And um, there's a quote I was reading, Jeff, and I'd love for you to comment on this. Someone, because she, what she does is she creates her own independent label and starts putting out the records herself. And uh, one reporter wrote that Amy Mann could probably make more money for herself selling 70,000 independently than 300,000 through her record company. Well, yeah. I mean, 70,000 is a big number though. The question is, can you make more selling 7,000 or 700,000? And the answer actually might be yes. Like you make about a dollar a record on a major label deal. And if okay. you're the whole thing, then you're probably making $5 a see. It's probably five times as much, even after costs. Wow. But well, you have to be you have to be big enough that you can sell that many records when nobody is helping. You buy all your own advertisement, yeah. you do all your own I mean, there's a reason why all the records that people have heard of are not from someone the trunk of someone's car. Well, it, it's fascinating too. Like you you went through this last year, like I'm going to make an album. I I've got something to say and and I'm not gonna wait around for someone to to bring a <laughs> oh, yes i know i like nora jones and say will you make an album for us you're like no i'm just gonna go ahead and do it it would be a long wait yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's i was just thinking that that's scary when you've been with a label and it's um and it's incredibly brave to go ahead and do it she's got a song about that called today's the day off of her album lost in space i i like a lot of songs on this album uh, but we're going to play Today's the Day and start it. Jeff Simons at 1.40, and I want us to go the full minute, even though apparently Peter Rafelson has told me that's not a thing, like this idea. <laughs> as long as you're under a minute, <laughs> you're safe. Okay. But I still. think it's great. I love that we invented our own rules for that, though. It's great. All right, here we go. Lost in Space by Amy Mann.
coming up. Isn't it enough? You know, she's talking to herself. Isn't it enough? Like Major Reno on the bluff, wondering aloud if help is on the way. And I've sung that lyric for many years now, never really knowing what Major... I looked it up today. You know who Major Reno was? He was the guy at Custer's Last Stand who was didn't go down and help Custer like fighting three miles away because he felt that he was the one under attack and Custer was waiting for reinforcements and Major Reno's just waiting like, no, no, help's going to come. <laughs> That's a great That's lyric. Great. Great that line. is a great lyric. <laughs> All right. What are your thoughts? I quite like Amy Mann. I will note that my brother, Jake Barton, is a gargantuan, massive, huge Amy Mann fan. Let's He's go, got Jake all Barton. of his records and loves Amy Mann. So I got some spillover Amy Mann love from him for sure. I looked it up. It's not the producer on this record. He's the producer on the first couple Amy Mann records, John uh, Bryan. Yeah, John Bryan. Turn. Because he's the producer who worked with Kanye West on late registration and did all of the string arrangements on late Interesting. John yeah, Bryan's also the guy who's been hosting the show at Largo every Friday night for the last 30 years that launched a lot of great careers. So he's a, and he made, he did some amazing soundtrack work and yeah, John Bryan. Magnolia, the Magnolia yeah, soundtrack with Amy Mann. Yeah, John Bryan's got fantastic ears. That guy's a, if you, yeah, if you start looking at the backs of records of the last 30 years, his name's on You'll a lot. You'll see his name a lot. Yeah. Cool. That's a good choice. I wish Amy Mann played slightly more up-tempo. I mean, all her songs are in that thud, ba, da, dun, dun, ba. I just wish anytime she cranks the BPM up enough where I can feel like I'm dancing, yeah, I, I like that. it so much more. Yeah. And when she does do that, like Labrador, that song that came out a couple years ago, I love that song. I'm listening to that song a hundred times in three days. Like that song was so great and it was just a little bit faster. That would be my only, my only wish. Well, it is interesting. You can make a, a really um, strong argument that this is playing in the background of your Starbucks or that this is playing in the background. Oh, way too, spot. way too, like all that wonderful glockenspiel and the panning and there's so much more going on in the background arrangement. Like, this this would this would pull your attention away from your macchiato. I mean, and also, just... like one of the things that's really different. Did you hear how it got quieter and louder and yes. changed? Yeah. One of the things that's true about Nora Jones is it's just a complete flat line all the way through it. Like it's because so it literally like the reason you need you have to be able to play it at volume six. Like the corporation is like you play this music at this volume, and they've tested it, and it's so yep. that, like you can have a conversation over it if you're sitting there by yourself. You hear music. Um, so this would not work for that. Like it's not engineered to be heard. Wow. They, they determine which albums to play because Dude, well, here's the, the super funny thing about it is believe me, they're not the only ones. Chipotle plays music. I really like when I walk out of Chipotle, I'm like, Hey, now oh, <laughs> dude, this is how I'm bad like, it oh, is at Chipotle. I came in and they were playing a, a, a weird clash song. Uh, I got it to the register and I was like, how about that Clash song? And believe me, the 19-year-old underground with a nose ring was like, why? Why is this happening to me? Yeah, <laughs> Can't you just buy your burrito bowl and go away? Like, you have to talk to me about this, sir? You know, uh, this record in 81 was a pretty big deal. Oh, that's so uh, great. Was a disaster. I, uh, I have yeah. a but anyhow, So, I mean, so when I go to Starbucks, I don't like the music, but there are, pl there are corporate yeah. places where they. I'm like, okay, now, hitting it. 
Yeah, one of my students, I had to take her uh, downtown and the radio station was playing Mitski. And she's like, there's a radio station that plays Mitski? And I'm like, ah, hang around with me. You'll know the radio stations around Asheville. <laughs> I'm a big radio station guy. Uh, awesome. Oh, and by the way, I went to my first concert in, yes. in years. Brett, Brett Denon came to Asheville. And I uh, took my vaccination card and my mask, and I went to a concert, by golly. Uh, and did you and have a good old time? had a good old time. Uh, he played all the hits, a couple, uh, couple songs I like that aren't hits. Um, nice. Two covers, which I believe Jeff Simons is the limit, right? You could play two covers. And get oh, away. You can do whatever you want. But yeah, two is a good number for a, for a headliner. With his band... He went with uh, You're So Bad by Tom Petty. Interesting. And then by himself, uh, kind of in the encore, just uh, Brett Denon and his guitar, he went with Corduroy by Pearl Jam. Ah. Oh, it was lovely. Lovely. Yeah. I, that's, I love that song. Oh, it's such a great song. Live music. Coming back. Yeah. Speaking of which, Jeff Simons, any gigs? Do Sunday, March 13th at the Ivy Room in what, beautiful what? Uh, Albany, California. I'll be on the bill with North by North, which is a kind of a kick ass duo from Chicago, Illinois. So, huh. what time is this? Uh, Sunday the 13th. I believe it's a matinee show. So, I think I'm on it like from like seven to eight, something like that. All right. I love that you're taking notes. Uh, ben Barton. You're adorable. Looking into it. I'm going to look at flights. Oh, dude, no, I'm gonna be, no, no, I'm no. I'm going to be in Copenhagen. I'm visiting no. Dolly in Copenhagen. So that's This I, is not a flight oh, show. Okay, I, I'm, I'm one of four people on the bill. Like, well, it'll, be over, it'll be over. over before you know Copenhagen it. Copenhagen now. Never mind. I'm not. <laughs> Copenhagen? <laughs> All right. Gentlemen, well done. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.